Welcome back to the 4A Baseball Podcast. Uh, Tom and I here today. Stavs is on the Velociraptor, Velocicoaster or something yep. like that right now. Yep. Uh, he's doing the wiggle. Yep. Uh, he's in Florida. We're hoping he's, he's having fun. He'll be back with us next week, I think. Does that sound right? Yeah. Um, he decided to go to go to Disney and Universal for a week. Um, the Velocicoaster is one of the best roller coasters I've ever been on. But this is not a roller coaster podcast. This is a baseball podcast, and we have a lot of stuff to cover today. Um, Brad, you want to kick it off with the uh, pitcher article about the under the radar guys that we want to talk about? How are you doing today, Tom? Oh yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It's a little little warm out, but uh, dude, it's humid. It's humid and hot, but yeah. at least I haven't spent five hours outside today. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but let's let's move into our thing. Okay, so there is this article that was published on MLB.com. It's also a link on Baseball Savant, which is where we found it. And it talks about under-the-radar pitchers with a rare blend of skills, right? Sometimes you have guys with super high release points that have really downhill sinkers, and it allows them to outperform expected stats. Bryce Elder's not featured in this article. But you have relievers that you've never really heard of because you have all of those every year. You get bowling ball sliders that end up on Jose Ramirez's back foot. You have a couple other guys. Tom, which one of these guys in this article do you want to start with? I want to start with a guy I've actually been high on for a while, and that's Reed Detmers. Um, Obviously, you look at his actual expected uh, percentile rankings, um, right about middle of the pack and everything. He's a good strikeout guy. doesn't allow barrels. Um, But – the confusing thing about him is that he gives up hard hit balls and pretty frequently, but he doesn't allow barrels, which means that I guess he just allows very hard contact into the ground, if not directly up. I, I mean, if they're not getting barrels, it's 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 a good thing, but they're definitely hitting him hard just directly in the ground. And I don't know if it, the defense behind him is enough to kind of limit um the production on the offensive side because he he does reflect pretty poorly with a 402 era Hmm. i think it's also a matter of fact that he might be one of those guys that just lets up a lot of like 90 91 mile an hour hit balls because like if you let up 94 you could hit let up 194 mile an hour line drives at the right launch angle but it technically isn't a barrel yeah um he's got the 17 8 17.8 17.8 degree launch angle. So I do see where the hard hit stuff is. The velocity is almost up two miles an hour, which he was dealing with some injuries last year. Sliders up four miles an hour. I mean, it's up across the board, including the changeup. And it's looking decent for him. I don't think this is quite the breakout that you thought it would be, but it's a step in the right direction. Definitely a step in the right direction, and I think there's more that can be done, but um, I don't think there's going to be much regression at this point. He reflects pretty well on his expected stuff um, with everything pretty much matching. It's just a little confusing how he is a strikeout guy, but I wouldn't necessarily call him a dominant pitcher yet, Um, but I think that is his definite trait. I would say soft contact because the barrel rate's so low, but uh, he gets hit pretty hard. He just doesn't let it up at the right angle. Mm. Trying to see. I think that uh, stabs. Okay, so okay, he's let he gets a lot of swings and misses on his breaking pitches, the slider and curveball, and those are actually funny enough. His two negative run value pitches. The fastball is performing worse than it did last year, 
but the expected role was the exact same. It just seems like he's on the wrong side of the equation or he's just throwing it for a lot more balls, which would kind of, does that correlate with a higher walk rate? No, walk rate's about the same. So I think he'll be an interesting case because the Angels kind of need him to be good. I mean, I, I, if you'd asked me how old I thought he was, I would have said 26. He's only 23. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got time. I think everyone could use a lefty like him. Uh, he's been a very high prospect for so long that maybe he just needs some time to settle in. And I mean, he's making he's making progress. It's just very small progress. I would have expected a, a bigger leap this season, but he's still making strides in the right direction. And that's, and that's what you want. Everything is better than last year in terms of he's, you know, lower barrels, which is a very big correlator to success the expected era slash era itself is a little bit higher than last year but the strikeouts are higher so i think that's a trade-off that if you want someone to develop if they have to take a step back in era in order to increase their strikeouts and hopefully he makes that stride back next year i think that's a trade-off the angels would be willing to make but then again this is their go 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 year yeah and i mean if we want to talk about the most successful pitchers in baseball. It's the ones that pitch the most innings and he has gone over or he has reached seven innings once this season. Um, That's the reason why everything reflects poorly. I mean, if you look at these starts, you would say these aren't the worst starts, but the fact that he's not making it over six innings ever Mm -hmm. um, is probably a reason why he's not having this breakout yet. And that's probably because he's not very efficient with his pitches. No, that would be like high pitch at bats. And If you look at his month of May, which was, sorry, month of June, which has been his best month in terms of ERA, he's got a 228 ERA this month. This is when his longest depth games have come from. He had a five inning start at the beginning of the month, a five and two thirds, which before this month was his second longest start, a six inning start against the Rangers and a seven inning start against the Dodgers. Pretty sure he's slated to start tonight. So. Uh, I mean, we let him get hot yeah. last year, and we saw it happen. There was a little bit of hope during the end of the 2022 season during his no-hitter, and I think the two or three games on both sides was that that start, and he looked like it was time to break out. Um, well, I'm looking it, through here. Because uh, he was one of your guys before the season, like your your breakouts. If you remember that episode where we had the breakout candidates before the season, yeah. he was one of your guys. Yeah, I mean – we look at July and August of last year and Reed Detmers look like um pretty good candidate for a breakout. Um obviously having a pretty rough September, but I I I was I was sold. Um and I guess it was just a hot month for him, but I I still think it's possible for him to, to repeat something like that. And then on this, they have Josh Spores, which I'm not gonna read too much into because it is a random reliever of the year. Like, yeah. I feel like this happens every year. Matt Brash is a little bit easier to read into because if you've, he's one of those where the eye test matches the stuff test because his ball moves ridiculously. He generates a ton, a ton of whiffs because of it. His issue is just leaving balls hanging in the middle of the strike zone and throwing a bunch of uncompetitive pitches. I mean, he's definitely taken over um, in that bullpen he's been one of the reasons they've been so good. Um, I'm not saying people like really stepped back, but where is Andres Munoz? Is he hurt right now? Yes. Okay. 
he's definitely he definitely helped fill the shoes of him because he was a very big piece for this team. Um, how long did he? How long did he make it this season? Is he? It, what? What? What's I don't the, think Andres Munoz started this season. It said he did. He said he he's he's pitched nine innings or, yeah, nine innings. He left a day ago. Hmm. Apparently, he just came back, and then left a game a day ago. Huh. Let me go to the game logs. Let's see what's going on. Oh yeah. So, went through two thirds of an inning. Okay, he came back. He was re, um, activated on June sixth, mm. and he made it a couple weeks. That's where he's gotten his starts, I believe. I mean, and he's been good. Not been surprising. Good. Not surprising. Yeah. Let's see. Is the expected stuff behind? The expected stuff is right there with it. So he was good. It's just he hasn't been healthy. Matt Prash, wicked slurve, breaking ball, whatever you want to call it. It's a very good pitch. Another interesting one in there is Julian Merriweather, who, if you remember a couple years ago on opening day in 2021, got a huge save for the Blue Jays against the New York Yankees. And it kind of seemed like he was going to be their new bullpen arm. He was going to be their Jordan Romano. Yeah. And then he kind of fell off the face of a cliff. He was bad. And then this year with the Cubs, he's he's doing it. He's doing the thing. He's doing the thing. And he's expected he's expected what? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Brad, can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me? Yes. Brad. Brad, Brad has returned. No, um, it seems like his expecteds are right on par with the rest of his stats. It's just a little out of the blue. But then again, that's literally how relievers work in this league. They just come out of nowhere, then they disappear, and then they sometimes come back. Um, maybe maybe we'll get a consistent guy out of this. But do you think he becomes a trade piece as of now? I think this is the whole conversation you want to have about teams and races, right? Any team could win the NL Central maybe outside yeah. of the Cardinals. We had a whole episode on it. If they sell, yes. If they don't sell, then obviously no. Uh, yeah, I mean, Julian Merriweather was a name I hadn't really heard in a couple of years. So it's it's good to see random dudes come out. I mean, I didn't know about Josh Spores either coming into this. The only one I was really familiar with out of these relievers was Matt Brash. Um, and, I mean, that just says a lot about how the game changes. A lot of, a lot of guys dip off and a lot of guys come in. Um. But I guess the fourth or fifth guy we'll talk about is a guy that, that hasn't bounced back because he's brand new to the game. It's Taj Bradley. Um, I mean, pretty simple. He's pitched very well. Um, I think he had some struggles at the beginning, um, especially with getting sent down. We had a whole talk about that. But in terms of game logs, um, he's looked pretty good, um, especially versus – let's see. Yeah, the eleven strikeout night in four point in four and a third innings. That's I mean it was against the A's, but that's that strikeout rate's insane. But, I think that like but, he was struggling and he still struck out a lot, but this month has been a little bit shakier for him. 
Yeah, and I think it leads back to the same problem that Detmers has. I mean, look at his look at his innings pitch per start. He has not gone above six innings ever. He's hit six innings once actually, um, which is very telling about how one effect efficient he is, and two how he's not able to go deep into games. He can't go deep into games, but I think it's also the Rays aren't going to let him go deep into games. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, just don't overthink it. I mean, I know Gabe Kapler liked to overthink it, but now he's been letting guys go deeper into games, and what do you know? We're winning more, so it's I, – I would just take notes. I would try and I would try and get six innings out of him every game, but five – I don't know. I, I mean, don't think five at that bullpen is fine. It's just – I think you'd rather get four innings. Yeah, I, mean, I was just pulling up – I don't want to group this by pitch. All pitches. Okay. I just grouped my pitches and I'm doing the line trend thing. His highest pitch count is 90, and that was on May 29th. His last start, he went 83, and the one he went four and a third, he went 88. Did he have arm problems when when coming up? No, I just don't know if he's fully stretched. I don't I don't know what it is because the Rays were hesitant with him in the first place. Like they sent him down, they called him up, they sent him down, they called him up. And you weren't a fan of that. I don't think any of us were a fan of that because it messes with the player's development. But I wonder if at some point, like the shiftiness, for lack of a better term, prevented his development or his ability to stretch out. I mean, what was his first game of the season? I thought was telling of what how his career was going to go in eight strikeout night versus the at the time red hot Red Sox. Um, and from then on, he looked good versus the Reds, looked good versus the Astros, and then they they kind of sent him down until the middle of May, about a month in the minors. And what do you know? He comes back and he's not as good as when he first got there. So, I mean, it's just not very surprising. I mean, you get what you put in. And in his last start, he did fairly well. Numbers back that up. Two starts ago with Oakland, a 268 Wobo on the day, a 205 expected. Maybe something a little unlucky there. But then you look at the start before versus the Rangers, 372 Wobo and a 452 expected. So he he's a little bit hard to take at face value. You can't you can't take anything from this. He started three games a month for two months. Like that's not you're not supposed to do that. I, I don't. I, for for the Rays being such a smart organization, this is pretty stupid. Um, at this point, you, you just have to make a decision. I agree with that. And then the last guy they mentioned was Kodai Sango, which I don't think is don't difficult think, to yeah. under the radar a three starter. It's also a very big deal coming into the league. I don't. I wouldn't really treat him as a underrated star but i can check his expecteds um i know his kill pitch is definitely still the fork ghost fork but it's, it's a very good pitch he just has very bad control yeah um and i i don't know i mean he looks he looks pretty decent i think he's a two or a three guy i uh, when he's on the mets he's like a two guy but if you put him on like a better team he'll probably be a three guy Right now, I think he's been the second best pitcher on that Mets team. He's been their one. I really don't know. Actually, they're all really bad. Um, yeah, no one's been pitching very well. I was looking at the Mets. Let's go Mets, baby. We haven't cooked on the Mets in a minute. Let's cook on the Mets. Okay, I'll look up Verlander. Yeah. 
Here we go. Um, H40 Verlander, the Mets just wanted to pay him. He's just not, just, I don't know. I, it might be a location thing, but his his expected ERA slash expected Woba is, is not too bad. Um, in terms of his career numbers, though, they're still pretty bad. Um, he's letting up the hardest hit balls of his career. He's giving up the max exit velocity, I think, of the entire season. Um, highest expected Woba, highest Woba um, in years. He's walking more, striking out less, far less. It's just they haven't been good. Like McGill has been bad. Scherzer's been a bit unlucky. He's had a good past two starts. Sanka has been outperforming. Verlander's at expected. And same with Carrasca. God. Team is um I, I'm I'm convinced Scherzer is still the best on this team, but it's not it's not going well in, in flushing right now. Anyways, you wanted to talk about a couple of tweets that had been sent out recently by the Codify Baseball account. It's one the Codify Baseball account. It's a pretty popular account just on Twitter. And I believe they're they might also be on Instagram. But one of their like their big thing is like game planning for pitching success. But they're also just very popular in putting out random statistics. And you had a couple in mind that you wanted to talk about. Which one of you, which one of them do you want to talk about first? Uh, I first want to talk about the one that talks about the Babbitt year by year, pretty much looking the exact same as it has for the last 20 years, even in a year where there should have been a great change because the shift, you know, ruins everything or makes everything better. But it shouldn't have, it, it never did change anything, I guess. Um, and the fact that it's the exact same says that this change isn't as significant as we thought. I mean, if you look, it, it just put it back to where it was supposed to be. Because, like, the, the extrema of shifting has happened in the past three years, 20 to 22. And that was when BABIP was 292 to 292, 292, 290. And now this year it's back to 297. So it did make a tangible adjustment. Like if you have, you know, 10,000 plate appearances a season, a 290 batting average is 2,900 hits. And I mean, 2,970 isn't a huge increase, but it's 70 more hits, more action. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm all for the changes. I think they, I was watching the London series and they definitely did talk about these changes and how they would revisit them this year and, and talk about tweaks that they needed to make. But I don't think there's much that has to be done. I think it's also the fact that BABIP doesn't account for homers. And as we've transitioned from the early 2000s to nowadays, the home run rate's been consistently increasing. So, and the amount of hits have decreased. So given the fact that home the home run rate is up this year compared to last year and babips up i think there's much more hits going on yeah i think the overall batting average is probably higher but i i see where you're coming from yeah i mean these these are they definitely have have touched on this subject uh quite a bit and i think they're definitely in favor of these new rules uh and how they don't have a significant impact. Do you do you think that it has had a significant impact other than the game, the amount of time in a game? I mean, I think the amount of time in a game has been something that affects 
it affects the game in multiple ways. I we've talked sevenfold about how it affect, affects pitcher timing, like their exhaustions, things like that. But I think it's also the bigger bases and the pitch clock. I think the pitch clock actually has a lot more to do with stolen base increase. And I mean, your guy Corey Seager, shift ban. Like I, I think. I think where baseball is at right now, as long as we stop hearing about stupid catcher blocking the plate rules, I think it's in a good spot. I think so. Um, the next one, I just wanted an opportunity to uh, make fun of the Yankees, the alternate uh, New York team. They're batting 195 this month, um, and that's the first time in Yankee history uh, for an entire month of June. I think um, Stanton has gotten – five hits in the last two months i it, when is it time to give up or just can you with that much money though really you really can't there's not much option but i mean when you're the yankees you can afford to eat some of the money especially if you have guys that are waiting i mean i, I wouldn't say jason dominguez is ready at this point that's another concern yeah. uh that you probably talk about because he's you know been hyped up as the martian the greatest prospect of all time and he has not looked very good uh this year and he's not even in triple a yet so it's definitely a little concerning. And that's definitely true. And he's supposed to be their future. And they have a bunch of DHs in the outfield. Uh, I mean, Stanton's still hitting the bar, the ball as hard as he always does. And he does have a 320 expected Woba compared to a 276 actual. And I think the same thing can be said for Josh Donaldson, who Yankees fans are calling for his head. Like he remember when we talked about Aaron Hicks getting DFA'd, just who are they gonna jump on next? And it was Josh Donaldson, like 255 Woba, but a 355 expected. Now, is some of that going to always underperform because the dude's in the seventh percentile for speed? Yeah, that'll happen. But I don't think Josh Donaldson is as bad as a player as he is playing to right now. I think he's just getting ridiculously unlucky. I agree. I mean, Yankees fans complain quite literally all the time. So, I mean... I'll check Donaldson out, but I think there's plenty of ball clubs that would 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 definitely pick up a Josh Donaldson type of guy. Um, and it I think there's a lot that would trade for him. That's what I'm saying. Um, I think the Yankees organization is smart enough to do so, but they also did get rid of Aaron Hicks before he had a month of batting 310 for the Orioles. So really don't know how what to expect there. Um, let's see. Expected Woba. That's a that's one of the biggest gaps I've seen uh in terms of Woba versus expected Woba. Yeah. I mean uh, Aaron Aaron Hicks is on the good side of it right now. He's got a 321 Woba and a three or 277 expected, but I'm not sure how much too much of that is dragged down by his Yankees playing days. That's true. That is definitely true. I think if you can, I don't think you can filter, but if you could, I think you'd be able to see that. He's looked genuinely like a new player on the Yankees. I mean, on the Orioles. Yeah. Um, Donaldson, I'm looking at his batted ball profile. It, that this is probably the reason why it's happening. He's grounding out. He's a lot, uh, not hitting the ball in the line at all. I mean, it, everything else looks decent, but he's just a 13% line drive percentage is pretty bad. Um, not to mention a 54% almost ground ball rate's pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, if you look back to like the years of Donaldson's big successes, obviously he's never going to be back to the 2015, 2016 Donaldson, 
but he's hitting fly balls at the same rate. I just, and he's popping up the ball less. So that means he's hitting it in that optimal range. It's just, he's barreling the ball the highest rate of his career. He's just hitting it at a low launch angle overall, question mark. Like, maybe it's the extrema. Like, he's either launching it or he's just peppering it into the ground and there's not too much of an in-between. I mean, he's not too far gone from what he used to be. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he made the change to go to New York, but I don't think he really did. He have a choice. I think he was traded. Wasn't yeah, he? he was traded in the Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela for IKF and Josh Donaldson trade. That was a fleece, man. Yeah, for I mean, which side? Actually, that was a lose lose trade. They they both, man. That's that's difficult to see. Um, let's see. Um, do they have Josh Donaldson twenty fifteen? Yeah, that's interesting to look at, but. The the Yankees have always been this this Bronx Bombers type of squad, and now, despite having a batting average of whatever I just said earlier in this month, they still have a over five hundred record in the last two months. So it's it's not it, they're it's clearly their pitching has been stepping up, but but who exactly? I I don't really know the starting pitchers outside of Cole Severino. We've got Clark Schmidt. They've got Luis Gill. They've Is got... Gilman pitching? Yeah. Does he still have a walk issue? When you talk about his 2015 MVP season, right? Yeah. I'm not entirely convinced that sabermetrically, like looking at expected stuff and just the stat cast numbers, that his 2021 wasn't a better season. If you look sabermetrically, yeah, you'll see, but that's just because of the change in times. I mean, you look at his his results, and you'll you'll definitely see. Just, but my point is saying that he's arguably having a very good season. Only two years ago, That's yes, he saying. had a bad year last year, but he's not too far removed from being a good baseball player. I just think I'm starting to believe that the Yankees are outdated. I don't think that they can develop players with most teams anymore. I think that they're fine at making bullpen arms because any team with money can do that. I don't think like the biggest thing is developing position players, right? They haven't had since 2020, a position player come up and be good. I mean, yeah, really. It was just Aaron judge in 2017. And who was the other one you mentioned? Glaber Torres. Yeah. You could argue that too. Um, I mean, the only person that defies this logic is Aaron Judge, and I think he went to an external source, didn't he? He went to – did he go to driveline? I'm not sure about that, but it's also – he – there's a certain line, right, where it's did you develop this player or is he just that good? Yeah. Like that it was going to happen no matter what because I'm trying to pull up minor league – there it is. Minor league numbers for Aaron Judge, right? He was really good in college. That's why he got taken. But he was in the minor leagues for three seasons. Yeah. And in the minor leagues, he was good. And like he was actually, no, 2015, he had a 777 OPS. 2016, he had a 855 OPS. 
that's not good for minor league numbers. It just seems like he was one of those guys that came up, made an, an adjustment or two, and was very successful on the major league level. Yeah, and I, I, I think there's a there's a deeper problem with the Yankees. I think with the loudest and most annoying fan base in baseball constantly chirping your ear, these owners are making some pretty panicked decisions, or the GM is making pretty panicked decisions, and it's leading to some very bad moves. Um, when you have this this spoiled fan, I'm, I'm not trying to trash on Yankees fans because Aiden, but like the 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 fact that the fans are always asking for something and the GM doesn't want to let them down, it's almost like they're not doing any of their own thinking. Like sometimes there's a trust the process thing. You know, you see the Orioles and you're like, what is this guy doing? What is the but order? You can't lose in New York. That's the thing. I know, but the thing is, like, you you have to trust the process sometimes, and and I don't think Yankees fans do. Um, it's it's probably difficult too, and you don't lose that often. But something needs to change because th- this this team almost looks like it's run by the fans now, just based on how the overwhelming majority of moves have been made by angry fans. Like sign Carlos Rodon, they sign Carlos Rodon, trade trade Hicks or DFA Hicks, he's gone. I mean. The, the fans make the choices for them and it's good. But if you really want to be ahead, you should probably make the decisions yourself as an organization. No, I completely agree with it. You don't have their roster up, right? I don't. Okay. Keep it that way. Okay. Over the past 14 days, what hitter has been the best hitter for the New York Yankees? I, uh, I, I mean, I know Anthony Ruiz is in like a historic slump. So I would say, I'll say Glaber Torres. Nope. Is it one of the younger guys? It is. Uh, the guy is 28. Jose Trevino? He's older. He's younger than that. He's actually older. He's 31. He's 31? Yeah. Um. What? Who? Billy McKinney. See... I don't think anyone would have picked that. I don't think anyone would have picked that. That's my point. Like, none of their players are performing. If you look over the last seven days, Fangraphs has the like the ranking thing where they rank yeah. players based on their production. Billy McKinney is 25th in the league. No other players in the top 100. Anthony Rizzo is number 100. That's pretty sad. I'm, hold on, let me take a look at uh, Anthony Rizzo. I know we both are haters of this team, but how do you fix this dumpster fire of an offense? You I wouldn't have, say fire you have to lose before you can win, and the Yankees aren't willing to do that. They're trying to put band-aids that are... What? You're muted. <laughs> I, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I mean, I just... I think this team is, is capable of winning... I just don't see – I don't see this team performing well under pressure. Um, and I'm going to look at Anthony Rizzo's stats as Brad frantically um, tries to fix his – Hello? Life. Brad, you're – oh, welcome back. Okay. <laughs> Brad, what was that? I don't, I don't know. My mic just disconnected for some reason. Um, I think that the New York Yankees, they – they won't lose. And I think that's their biggest issue because you have a team like – that's a good comparison for them. The, uh, there, there's no team to compare it to because, A, they're the Yankees. But, like, 
almost saying that like getting a little bit of a reset and selling at the deadline wouldn't hurt. And they're not a bad team because of their pitching right now. I think they're the fourth or fifth best team in baseball, just in terms of record. Uh, They're 43 and 35, which if you put it as, if you put it in terms of the league, right? 43 and 35 is the fourth best in the American league. And it would be the fifth best in the national league. So they're a top 10 team in terms of record. Yeah, I mean, let me go to the team stats because I, I think, I, I think a comparable ball club would be like, like the weirdly enough, like the Guardians in the sense that they have extremely low slugging percentage. They, I, I think the Guardians are still better at what they do because they're more slap hitters. They don't barrel the ball very often. But this Bronx Bombers team is more like a little slap hitting team than a than a dominant offense, and it's it's weird that this has completely shifted. They're the, um, they're the eleventh, yeah, no, maybe kind of, sort of. They're tenth in the American League in runs scored. They're twentieth in offensive WAR, and they are, um, man, where are they? They're nineteenth in runs in the in the whole game. Um, let me let me look at WRC plus because this is gonna be interesting because I think. And not shockingly enough, the three best teams in baseball are the, the best at WRC plus. Um, the Yankees are twenty first, and I think everyone on that team has a WRC plus below one hundred at this point, except for Judge. If we look at their IL, right? Maybe you could argue like, oh, the their IL is really bad. Like that's why this team is struggling. All their good bullpen, their bullpen's actually been serviceable. It's been a good bullpen. The Yankees have had a good bullpen for a couple of seasons. Garrett Cole and Johnny Brito, not Luis Gill, I had the wrong guy. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Brito has been solid over the past fourteen days. Domingo Herman has been really garbage. He's gotten lit up recently. Clark Schmidt has been very good over his last six starts, but everything under the hood suggests that he is going to get shelled soon. Luis Severino hasn't been great. I mean, Domingo Herman without without the sticky stuff is clearly not very good. I mean, exactly. you don't just start the season extremely hot, get caught cheating twice, and then suck. That doesn't just happen. I mean, he was clearly using something, and it's just not working anymore. So, like, you can argue the starting rotation is struggling because of injuries. Cortez, Gill, Montas, and Rodon are on the IL. Aaron Judge is on. Aaron Judge is this team. Like, if you're Aaron Judge, do you walk into the front office and be like, "I need ten more million a year to put up with this stuff"? Yeah, I mean, uh, he would love to be on the Giants right now. Here's some. <laughs> Woo. Um, I guess it must just be the bullpen for the Yankees then, because they're they're twentieth in in pitching war. So I'm assuming that's just uh, uh just a good bullpen team. I don't know at this point, man. <laughs> Like, I don't know how they keep winning games when they're so bad at everything, but the point is it puts a smile on my face to see the Yankees lose. Um, but there's a lot of things that need to be done to get this team fixed. I just I don't see them being a real contender this year. I don't put them in that elite category. Yet they still win ball games. I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying they just still win. It feels almost kind of like a waste playoff team. Yeah. I feel like this time is just wasted. They could be either retooling or going all out like the Mets did, but that clearly doesn't work. Um, I don't know. Um, is Carlos Rodon coming back eventually? I don't know at this point. I, it, 
the Yankees are, are approaching a, a crisis, man. I'm telling you. I think this might hit the fan. Yeah. They're they're a game in the they're half a game in the wild card with the Blue Jays. Blue Jays haven't been good either. Orioles are a very good team. Anyways, you wanted to have one final discussion that you had mentioned. And I mean, you could have a conversation in both leagues about the Cy Young race. I think we're going to have a full breakdown on it when we talk about the June, the April, May, June monthly awards. But the biggest one that you brought up was the American League Cy Young race because there is no favorite anymore. I mean, who even is, who would you even have as your AL Cy Young right now? I, I don't want to say it, but I, I, I think it's Framber. I really don't, I don't, Framber is like the Tim Duncan of baseball. He's just very, very boring. Nothing really stands out about him, but he's really been the best, I think, so thus far, at least. Maybe Joe Ryan, I don't know, but it's difficult to say in all honesty like Shane McClanahan he's been good but he's been walking a lot he's not striking out as many batters the stuff's still there he's getting the results but I think if I had to pick between McClanahan or Valdez right now I'm taking Valdez and Joe Ryan's right there Eovaldi taking a little bit of a step back this month still very good same with Kevin Gossman. Garrett Cole's in the conversation. A dark horse Cy Young, if he has a good second half, is still my guy, George Kirby, who is just historically, he might break the record for least walks in a season or the lowest or the highest strikeout to walk ratio. He just doesn't, he doesn't, he refuses to do it. So, I mean, it's definitely historic. I don't know if it's enough to solidify himself as the best, but he's looked good. I mean, 3.26 ERA, that's a stab stat right there, but I mean, that's, He's good at limiting runs, good at limiting walks. Um, not necessarily a strikeout guy, but he's been a pretty good number two guy in the Mariners bullpen or the Mariners rotation. Who was your AL Cy Young prediction? It was McClanahan, right? It was McClanahan, I think, yeah. Yeah. You had McClanahan, Stebbs had Shohei. Shohei's been riding the struggle bus a little bit recently. Same yeah. issue, command. I mean, he played good against the Dodgers the other night. but Low bar. Nah. Um, but, I mean... This is really up there. I mean, the fact that Felix Bautista has more war than Dylan Cease and like Kyle Gibson. I mean, I threw it to start or pitchers with 10 innings pitched, right? And it updated Reed, Detmers, and Hunter Brown are top 10 pitchers. What do you say? Uh, I updated it so it's pitchers that have thrown 10 innings qualify. Yeah. And it added a ton of guys to this. Like Jacob Degrom's still twenty second in the American League in WAR. Yeah, he's right behind Dylan Cease. Felix Bautista, is he the number one reliever? He should be. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And Shohei, I'm still convinced. Yeah, Shohei looks good. Uh, the expected stuff is not too far off, man. I don't know. He's averaging still- just under six innings per start. But he has the most innings of his career this far into a season. So I think he's still going to reach that threshold that he's never reached before. I think he might hit a 180. Mm-hmm. The thing with Framber is he's almost averaging, he's averaging six and two thirds. That's what you need, man. I mean, yeah. 
I don't see how you cannot pick Framber over Shane. Ah. It's very boring, and uh, Framber's expected stuff does not like him very much. But he's a ground ball pitcher. Yeah, that's what you get. He's a very boring guy. I, you know, when you expected someone to take over Houston, you would have been like, well, everyone was thinking Christian Javier. You you were a little on the Framber Valdez train, but you know how the uh, the articles came out at the beginning of the year saying that Christian Javier would win the Cy Young somehow. Yeah. I, okay. Do you want to play? Do you have an idea who you think's going to win the AL Cy Young Award, or are you just at a loss right now? Because I think I have my pick. I don't know if this is my 2023 pick or my 2024 pick, but I have a pick. Are you going to do some weird stuff, man? No. I think, I mean, if the season, are you doing season ends today or are we doing like a second half prediction? Oh, no, no, no. There's like prediction for the season's end. Okay. I'm expecting Framer to regress a little bit. I'm expecting Kevin Gosman to keep the K rate up and be really dominant, but give up seven runs every 10 starts. So he's going to not be in that conversation. I, so Luis Castillo started on this, this, this really hot train and fell off of it, but then he's been getting back on it. And now he looks to be on pace for a, a top 10 finish. Um, I don't quite know about him either. Um, I really like Joe Ryan though, too. And I think if someone's going to continue it for the whole season, I'm going to go Joe Ryan. Just be, Brad, you, are you Joe? Hey, Joe. Joe Ryan. Joe. Oh, yeah. I really, he's one of the best. Uh, I love this guy. Who did he shut out the other night? Was it the, he pitched it the was, They were losing the series, and then he came in and shut it down. It was, oh, my God, this is bothering me. It was a good offense. It was the Red Sox. That's a good offense. Oh, wasn't it? the? No, it was in Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, he's he's up there in innings. His expected stuff is actually better than his actual stuff, which is very surprising. I think he actually has the, the lowest expected ERA out of any of these guys. Out of any oh. starter. Yeah. So if we're talking about regression there to the mean, I think – He'll find his way to the top. That's pretty much it. I mean, Joe Ryan, man. What a, what a confusing earlier. We like, Joe, remember, you can develop some other pitches. You know, you'll, you'll be pretty good. And then he and did. He did. <laughs> He's listening. He's a listener to the podcast. Oh, yeah. Good job, Joe. You, you're doing great. So that'll do it for this this half week's episode of the Florida Baseball Podcast. Baseball is in a little bit of a lull right now. Still very exciting, very fun. College baseball, if you do not follow college baseball, start following college baseball. Game three tonight, go Florida. Um, We'll be back on Friday, Tom and I, no Stevs. We're going to talk a little bit about we're going to try and cover as many teams as we can. Just talk about the first half, probably stick to one of the two leagues this week, maybe the other half next week and just recap the first half of the season. Cause there are some teams that it'll take two minutes to talk about as in the Kansas city Royals or the Oakland athletics, but there'll be some that are a bit more convoluted. It's maybe the twins or something. We'll have that all out on Friday for y'all. If you have enjoyed, please consider leaving a rating review, sharing this with a friend. We do appreciate it. All social media links will be in the description below. See you all next time on the 4 Baseball Podcast. Peace. Steve!